When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have a national indoor-centric edition of the Deciding Point, our breakdown of everything happening in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, this episode is themed because this weekend we're competing for a national championship in the Division I women's college tennis world. The 2024 ITA Division I National Women's Team Indoor Championship Round of 16 now officially in the books. What a tremendous day of tennis. It's probably my favorite day we have on the college tennis calendar, these Round of 16 national indoor days all 16 teams in action all of them still aspirations perhaps maybe just maybe things will break right for them this weekend they can end up as a national champion and thus we are always treated to such exceptional tennis so many different storylines and thus on tonight's show we want to try and recap all we learned from the round of 16 now I'll be honest I think I only have 40 more minutes of speaking within me it's like when zoom time you out. I think I'm on a limited account here today, 13 hours of broadcasting later. I've said most of what I need to say, but I think my favorite part about a day like this isn't actually broadcasting all of the tennis. It's the fact that I know in the back of my brain as we're going through it all, I'm going to have the opportunity to recap it all, chat about it with some of my favorite people, and again, set the scene for all of you college tennis fans who tune into these episodes, of course, thus joining me to help break down the women's round of 16 at this year year's national indoor championships is the man who joins me each and every week on the deciding point of course you know him best as the returning champion of returning champions on our cracked rackets podcast founder of the no ad no problem blog and podcast and a man who's beautiful faced i got to hug i got to embrace i got to see in person here in seattle of course it is my dearest friend john j parsons joining me on the podcast tonight jay hey great shot i think my favorite part about this podcast is that we're actually doing it in our respective hotel rooms because they booted us from Nordstrom for the night. But what a day of tennis, my friend. How are you feeling after the round of 16? Well, yeah, this podcast brought to you and the dulcet tones of our hotel room voices, (laughs) not in person. But yeah, I can't imagine how you were feeling. I texted you. I was like sitting here at Nordstrom for 12, 13 hours feels like sitting in a casino all day. You know, there's <laughs> no windows. It could be doing God knows what out there. But thankfully, the weather actually wasn't very bad the one time I walked outside. But yeah, I, uh, I'm i feeling energized maybe for another 40 minutes and then maybe 
uh, things will hit me. But it was a great day at tennis. I walked into the building. Sun wasn't out yet. I walked out of the building. Sun was not out. That's when you know it's a good day of college tennis. And yeah, to your point, Jay, this is our sexy podcast. We've got those tones rocking and rolling. Like everyone's like, what's going on on this Great Shot podcast? It's because, again, we are each in our respective hotel rooms. Neither of us want to get noise complaints here tonight. Thus, while we will try to convey excitement with the words we choose to speak with, certainly, again, if we don't get loud, if you don't hear boisterous laughter, it's not because I'm not funny as always. It's because we're each in our hotel rooms trying to be respectful of the other guests. That said, Jay, as always, speaking of respectful, there is no day I respect more than this round of 16. It is a grind, and certainly for a team like NC State, who it felt like was on site at Nordstrom for like eight hours today. They showed up at two thinking, all right, we'll get our usual warm-up in. Everything's going to be on schedule. It was not. It was a marathon day. We will try to ensure that this podcast reflect everything we learned from the marathon. So without further ado, Jay, let's get into it. What a fantastic day of tennis. I've decided to organize the outline by going by the quarters that intrigued me, uh, excuse me, the round of 16 matches that intrigued me the most. I am though going to stick in specific quarters. So for instance, when we talk Michigan match, obviously we're going to follow it up with Pepperdine, Oklahoma State, followed up by Texas, etc. just so we can go round of 16 recap, round of 16 recap preview for all of you listeners. And by the way, if you are a fan of a specific team, you want to hear about a specific matchup for Saturday. Just look in the details of this podcast description. You will find timestamps for each and every point of our discussion here tonight. Jay, let's start with where I started my day. 9 a.m. Pacific, Michigan versus Cal. Arguably our best match of the day, and it was the first one we got to see. This match had all the things you hope for in a national indoor match. I thought first and foremost, we saw nerves out of the gate from each of these teams, manifested from Michigan by the fact that Kari Miller and Jaden Brown served for the set at number one doubles. Neither was able to close it out. You know, highlighted by the fact that we had, what, 7-5 and 7-6 scores or something crazy like that at the number two and three doubles positions, each going to Cal. Highlighted by the fact you had a Hannah Villar-Moeller 5-1 lead in the first set on court number one. I called it Haley's Comet. You never see Kari Miller. You might see her lose a match. You never see her go down 5-1. But of course, in pure Kari Miller fashion, she works her way all the way back. And then, of course, you got the drama moment, the setting in, the third set scene that everyone is searching for as a college tennis fan. Courts two, four, and six, all of them coming down to deciding sets, each of them so much drama, whether it started. I mean, I guess you start with Gala Mesajarito, who continues this trend of, oh, by the way, let's just do this at the top, and then I'm going to finish this, Jay. Well, you know what? Actually, yeah, let's just do this quickly. See, brain is broken, but leave all this in, Westoff. Did you like our name intros? Can we start there? How sick were the name intros? Shout out to the ITA. Shout out to Westoff. I think I learned more about how many pronunciations we've butchered over the years, Jay, than anything else on Friday. (laughs) That was certainly some shocking news we got. I thought it elevated the broadcast. Absolutely. It added a level of professionalism and seriousness and some, some grandeur to the whole production. So props to the ITA, props to Westoff for getting that together so quickly as well. I I gave a shout out. I begged the Virginia team to be funny. I was like, can you just walk up there and go, the name's Collard, Melody Collard. And like, literally she was like, 
absolutely not. And so I did the same speech to Scotty. I was like, literally, Scotty, the MVP trophy of this event is going to be named after you someday. Like, can you just say the name Scotty? Elizabeth Scotty or just say the name Scotty and just stop there and I was like I'd die with laughter um, of course she declined but anyways shout out to that I agree with you it elevated the broadcast think of it as a Monday night football intro of all of the players or anytime you're watching a football game we legitimately had credits like that anyways the reason I bring it up Jay Gala Mesajarito as I now know how to correctly pronounce um, she did what we know she does she's never lost a match we know that she can't afford to lose and this one was particularly dramatic from 5-1 up down a set in the second but up 5-1 to 6-5 Katja Wiersholm serving for the match uh, in that second set Mesajarito ultimately able to force the third ultimately to able to pull through in three sets you had Jessica Alsola Julia Fligner Probably the highest quality tennis, and I know I'm biased because she's the little sis, but that was as good of tennis as we saw, I thought, Jay, all day at that number two spot. Julia, from a set and a breakdown, working her way back, five all in the third or whatever when the match ended. And then, of course, most importantly, we all got the mainstream Lon Me experience. Just a must for every college tennis fan. She's going to have a cult following by the end of the season. I texted you that in the midst of the match. Lon Me scratching, clawing, death by a thousand, paper cutting, Piper Charney, the freshman. She fights off match points in a dramatic second set breaker to force a third. That said, in the end, it's the freshman Charney responding, pulling out the match in three sets. Michigan from a doubles point down, four singles victories, two of them in three sets. I didn't mention Lily Jones because she won one and one in like 22 minutes. Her best result clearly of the season that's a four-minute synopsis, Jay, with a little interlude to complement our broadcast. Thoughts on the Michigan Cal match? Well, gosh, you got me on the clock. We're doing five minutes a match. I got 60 <laughs> seconds. I'm not going to do that for all of them. <laughs> that one was just per- – like, that was the only match, in my opinion – here's why I say it. It's the only match, in my opinion, that deserves that sort of granular recap because it did have the roller coaster ride you were hoping for. Oh, it absolutely At least did. from They're- the Nordstrom site. Yeah, there was a moment when all of the matches were coalescing and it could either have broken one way or the other. And I think ultimately what shone through in this match was the fact that Michigan has played a handful of matches so far in this dual season. And this is a Cal team who has really only played kickoff weekend and coming into indoors kind of untested. And you felt like down the home stretch that really shone through, particularly all those matches, all starting that third set, two, four, and six, basically all at the same time. Michigan slowly but surely started to pull away from that Cal team. Credit to Cal for hanging very tough. I thought they look very good. This match played in April outdoors could be a very different result. So well said. Cal's a winner in my book coming out of today. They have the goods. They're six deep and their top four can play with anyone. Like I know Villar Moeller loses this match to Kari Miller. Your point, I want to see it outdoors. Um, Evenoff was down double break three love real quick to Jaden Brown. She works her way back. She takes that first set seven, five. I think Jaden served for it up five, four. And then like for two hours, Katja Wiersholm might have been the best player in the building. Uh, or not two hours, but that first set. Like, Katja was unbelievable as she worked her way back in that second. That's why I said two hours because there was definitely a 20-minute blip. But then, like, oh, my God, was the lefty excellent in working her way back in the second set. It's a match Michigan had to have, and you said it perfectly, Jay. 
the veterans guile. Like that's a match this Michigan team has lost before. It's also a match they've won before. And now they've won it with enough comfort that they were able to pull through in this moment. I mean, again, it she wasn't the clinching match. Bakari was down 5-1. And if she loses that first set, I don't know if Michigan has a pathway back. But her working her way back and winning that second set so handedly, you know, allowed Julia to get some momentum, even when Mesajarito was screwing around up 5-1 up in the second. But yeah, I mean, again, you got all the things from this match. I think more than any, these this is a match where both teams walk out feel like, hey, we both won this one. Like this, if this is where we are after this match, we are feeling good coming out of it. Of course, for Michigan up next now, they're going to take, take on a Virginia team they legitimately saw one weekend ago. Of course, the Who's maybe the most impressive upset on the day relative to expectations because, of course, you predicted the Ohio State upset we'll talk about in a little bit. But look, I don't have to go through this one in as much depth because this one was pretty straightforward, Jay. Virginia took the doubles point. Now, Chen and Brodus, Chen and Brodus at one. But the depth of Virginia, who with the return of Elaine Chervinsky can spit, split up the collared shake pairing and now, or maybe it was collared Ziodato, I forget whom, but the depth is just better Across the board, they take pretty convincing victories at the number two and three spot, never in doubt. And then, again, for Virginia, you know, we said this in our preview, Pepperdine strengths at the top, Virginia strengths at the bottom. Well, guess what, Jay? Straight set wins for them at the four, five, and six positions. Now, obviously, this was a 5-2 match because shout out to Heba Shake. Boy, was she excellent today in a three-set win over Savannah Brodus. Pepperdine's two points. Janice Chen in straights. Lisa Zarr in straights at one and three. They continue to look top-heavy. But, man, for a hypothetical—you know, again, depth is hypothetical until you see it play out, Jay. That's what real depth looks like. Doubles, four, five, six. That's a—like, if you're winning that, you have my attention. Yeah, there were early in that those first sets and singles, you saw Pepperdine starting to pull away three one four one type scores at one two and three, and then the exact inverse was happening for Virginia early in those first sets. Now they didn't all play out like that. You mentioned Heba Shake handing Savannah Brodus just her sixth dual match loss in her three years, but yeah, I thought Virginia looked excellent. Having Chervinsky play that solid, she's played in the top of this Virginia lineup before that Ziodato forehand is a massive weapon. Did she have that last year? It's always been there. It's just consistently firing now, just like point after point it's relentless. And sometimes it's to her detriment, right? We're like, Oh, we didn't need to go that big, but most of the time it's just relentless and it just punishes around the court. So for them to have hurt for Travinsky at five and, Herculean performance from Heba Shake just to take the racket out of Savannah Brodus's hand sometimes in that match and to run away with that third set. Remarkable performance. Yeah. L- on the Pepperdine side, quickly, LZ looked really good. JT oh, yeah. looked really good. They got some work to do in doubles because their two and three pairings just aren't where they need to be right now. But again, I'm doubling down on the Collard-Cash comparison. Melody Collard plays singles like Robert Cash plays singles. Just how aggressive they are at that number six spot. Again, Jasmine Conway, who was up a break in that second set, the Pepperdine freshman at six, she could never find a rhythm because Collard didn't let her. And, oh, was I impressed. Also, in-person observation, Jay, this Virginia team's taller than you think. Like, they're not the thickest group in terms of, like, muscular or whatever it may be, but, like, Ziadotto's pretty tall. 
Like mm-hmm. Collard's pretty tall, and I I guess I didn't get to see them at all in person last year because they were at STC and I was at Nordstrom. Like Shake's pretty tall. Like Annabelle's shoe is not short. Like right. I just. I like this team. I really liked what I saw in person. They are really good everywhere. It's not, in theory, on paper good. It's, hey, if you're getting this Chervinsky, who gets a straight set win and looked really good at that five spot over an inform on a Campana, who, by the way, double down on the Michigan, Jay, Campana, not Campana, Campana, shout out to us, Midwest. It's a great win for Virginia. Sets up the rematch. And for those of you that forgot, Michigan ultimately 5-2 win, I believe, over Virginia last weekend. But there was a moment if Shake had taken that second set breaker against Fliegner, then all of a sudden her, Lily Jones, Mesoharito, Jaden Brown, they're all in third sets and things get a little funky. My brain still works, Jay. Shout out to this late. It's all firing. Um, thoughts on this match? Which way are you leaning? What are you looking for? I think this is a toss-up. I mean, coming yeah. s- seeing what I saw from Virginia today – if they continue to have that performance, I mean, Shubash played well. Janice Chen was on a different level today. Yeah. We saw the like the the in form Janice Chen. So that's a matchup that they'll circle against Jaden Brown, Ziadado, Travinsky, four or five. Like Lily Jones looked excellent today. So that's gonna be really interesting to see. I I think it's toss up around the board. I almost like Virginian doubles. They took the doubles mm-hmm. point last time, so it's going to be a close one. I go 51% Michigan, though. Six is fascinating to me. That's like the only spot where I feel like, six and one is where you're Michigan. You feel like you, you can take the corners. Like Emma, uh, Emma, there it happened again. Um, Piper looked great today. Like, even though there were some moments, it was all Lon Me related. Any moment she was uncomfortable had to do with her level and that Piper was able to persevere through that yeah weather the storm oh my god i thought for sure when she lost that uh second set got broken to start the third i was like it's over like they're not winning six so it's on you julia and i was ready to have a full-on panic attack um and thankfully we didn't have to go there um this match is going to be exceptional. It's it's two teams who have played at this event before. Last year, they played in the round of 16. Last year, they played in last weekend. These cores know each other as well as any two cores in the country. Buckle your seatbelt. It has 4-3 written all over it. I don't make predictions. Jay does. He says 51% Michigan, so I'm assuming that's his pick here in 4-3 fashion. By the way, we saw the Wolverines drop doubles win the match today, so we know it is possible. That's one quarter of the draw. I don't hate our pace there, Jay. I Actually, I'm feeling pretty confident we're going to go even quicker moving forward because, again, that's the only quarter where there were two equally compelling matches after that you know again one lopsided the other compelling perhaps the script the rest of the way and the next most compelling match featured another big 10 team unequivocally for ohio state to drop doubles pretty convincingly against a georgia team that respectfully does not pride themselves on their doubles point like that's not where their bread and butter is going to come ohio state drops that doubles point but jay contos in straight sets at one over vetchich I'm actually, that's not that weird because senior, freshman, indoors, whatever. Like, I don't, that one isn't crazy to me. But Perry in straight sets over Riasco, freshman over junior at three to have Brisniak straight set win at the number five spot as well. And then the big one, Jay, that first set breaker, clearly everything as Sidney Ratliff takes it to make it four first sets to the Buckeyes. And again, Jay, they didn't just lose doubles and beat Georgia. They lost doubles. They won four straight set matches, and they did it at the one, two, three, and five, but one, two, and three positions. Like, 
this ain't your father's Ohio State women's team, Jay. This this team, what we saw from them January, February, turns out it's real. Yeah, and now they're extending that form into indoors, which has always been this like odd blocker, yeah. it felt like. Like last do see, season. Do you see the video of Ratliff putting the name on the board and how excited she was? Like the genuine nature of it? Like to just to accentuate your point, like you could tell it was like, hey, this is a huge deal. Yeah, because last year they played this Georgia team indoors and they beat them at home and then they show up to indoors and they just didn't have that same cachet and you questioned whether this was a columbus only thing and today to do this and to take the top three yes you have becca at one who's a freshman but and riasco not as good indoors but still that is a very strong top three in georgia one of the better that in the country and also they were down early because they lost a few straight set matches at what was it? Six and uh, four. Yeah. And so they come back and really impressive from Ratliff just to grind away in that Vidmanova match. So, yeah, this is a, a match I thought Ohio State would win. I didn't have the exact calculus, but huge fight back from them. It's the age old score uh, question. What would you rather have doubles and and, th- and two first sets or four first sets and singles? And on this day, the answer was four first sets and singles because the Buckeyes protected all of their lead. You know, I meant to say this about Virginia. I think their win over Pepperdine was their first signature victory as a group like that. Virginia group hadn't gotten a win of that nature on this stage ever. Is this the first signature victory for this Ohio State group? Similarly, in that vein, because like this is a group that has, sure has had some regular season success, yeah. but this is a significant national indoors victory to knock off the seventh seeded Georgia and kind of just say to the seeding committee, like, no, 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 our resume is is real. Don't you ever do that to us again in the future? Like, it's a message sent, and it's again that wasn't meant to be disrespectful to the seeding committee. It's just like that's a chip on the shoulder performance from the Bucks. Yeah, and they should have one. We talked about that. I think they were snubbed. But yeah, it does feel like this was on the nat- at one of these national events, either indoors or NCAAs, this is a signature performance. And certainly Irina Contos has been lights out. Best player in the country the past right now. Few weeks. Uh, she's looking like it. Yeah. So yeah, very impressive. I'm excited to see them in person tomorrow. I may have dropped my Taya Chavez will be Amelia Rejecki in three years comparison to more than one coach and more than two coaches and more than three coaches over the past couple of weeks. And let me just say there's been some positive reception. So, yeah, just again, Buckeyes advance. Are you hitting a panic button if you're Georgia, given their start to this season, Jay? Or is this like a who cares till May? We got time. Well, it- I'm a little bit of two minds because last year this team did make the finals. And so they did it with having a Riasco who's maybe not as solid indoors. You know, uh, Leah Ma was fantastic at indoors last season. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, yes. I also think what's most concerning is they've now lost, what, three matches, three in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, This Georgia team is not building a reputation for showing up in these big matches. I think back to the North Carolina semifinal last year. There are just some players on that team that do not seem to be stepping up in these big moments, and that part really concerns me. 
Vecic still so new to this scene. Like again, it's crazy that half of them are juniors, and you're like, yeah, but like Grant and Nurundor haven't had this sort of pressure on them before in a singles lineup. Lapata obviously still a sophomore, asked to be. And for the way, by the way, Lapata gets a win today. Um, oh yeah, She's I think been it was. Great. Yeah, I think it was Gigi playing six. I think she got the win today yep. as well. I mean, again, if I would have told Drake. And Jared, the coaching staff for Georgia, you're winning doubles. I think they're like, yeah, we got that. Like, are you serious? Of course we're going to win. And they lost four straight set singles matches. That's just something you have to take note of. As impressive as Ohio State has been, you never want to lose four straight set singles matches. If nothing else, you're like, someone's going to force a decider, right? And just to not have that happen, obviously, it's disappointing given that context. But again, all credit to the Bucks, And now they get the real test. Uh, not That's not true. They get another real test is what I meant to say. Um in number two, Stanford. Leave that in, Westoff, because again, that just speaks to where my brain is at, trying to be transparent with you listeners. Georgia, a very real test for Ohio State. I want to make that abundantly clear, but with how Stanford looked today, Jay, and it was closer at four, five, and six. Blokina actually down a set in four all, and Huey and Lopez had split. Looked like the same was going to happen at six, but this is like if Stanford's winning doubles points, I don't know how you beat him. Blake, one and two, her best win of the season over Briggs. Ma, three and two at two. Yepa Fanova, 0 oh and two at three. They dropped a combined 10 games at the top three positions, Jay. That's what this team can be at its best. What'd you see from Stanford? What'd you learn? Yeah, in a lot of ways, this is a terrible matchup for Florida. Horrible. Because, <laughs> yeah. because Florida just doesn't have that top end talent to compete at one, two, and three and particularly going indoors. And then also you kind of handicap them by taking Sarah Dahlstrom out of this lineup, this Florida team. I hope we see her healthy back in this lineup soon, but this was a big time performance from the big three of this Stanford team who we talked about in the preview pod showed up a little lame last year and didn't get a win until their final match. So for them to come out so solid, so efficient in this match and, you know, put away the match before four through six could even get too much of a scare. It's, it's good good vibes for Stanford moving forward. Very excited to see their energy uh, at this interest because I will be blunt, they were flat last year. Like in mm-hmm. practice, they were flat. Their match performances were flat. There was no connective threat for the Cardinal last year. And again, you need you know what? Never mind. I was going to go on a tangent off of that. I was going to say, I'm a little, you know what? I'll say it anyways. I'm a little concerned. Like, I need Virginia to have some edge tomorrow against Michigan because Michigan's going to bring the edge. I think Virginia's an edge away. Like, again, they're another team. We're going to call it the Coley Allen rule. They're a Coley Allen away. Just they need a little wild card. That that volume that's going to bring that extra je ne sais quoi to your group. Ohio State will have that tomorrow. and They will ask Stanford to bring that. Now, again, the talent Stanford possesses extraordinary what's your lean on that quarterfinal jay i lean stanford in this uh, but i agree with you i think this is a rematch of the super regional from last year i think ohio state will have that chip on its shoulder it's some new new pieces as well for this ohio state team but i actually think stanford should should be the pretty heavy favorite here yeah look if ohio state wins this one we need to have a new conversation about them and where they sit in the hierarchy. Like they've already moved up a tier. They're already firmly now in the top eight conversation. They win this one. Maybe it's is top eight enough. Like should they be in the inner circle moving forward? Are they everything we thought A&M might be uh, with their new additions? 
I'm very much looking forward to watching Stanford play in person because I don't get to do it nearly as frequently as you do, Jay. And again, one of the best storylines we have in all of college tennis this season. Angelica Blake and that Stanford class trying to avoid joining 95-96 as those rare classes without NCAA championships to graduate and leave the Stanford women's team. That is your second quarterfinal preview. Let's move on now to the other side of the draw. Stay on this right side of the draw. Top half there, Jay. Texas, Texas A&M got weird. And was the match... No, you know what? I think the match was in doubt for uh, Texas. I'm going to say that. This one maybe does deserve a little bit of a breakdown because Texas did take the doubles point. And certainly for a little bit there, it looked like Texas was going to pull away as they do get straight set wins from Malika Rapalu, who continues to just be exceptional uh, to start the fall, uh, the spring. Two and two for her over Kupris. Pashkaleva, two and three over Smetanikov at the number five spot. And, you know, again, with Texas winning first sets at two and four as well. You thought doubles, four first sets, given uh, A&M's struggles at five and six in particular. Pack the bags, start the plane, this match is over. But this is the first fight we've seen out of A&M and trying to dig themselves out of a deficit here so far this season. They very nearly did it. Again, credit to Mary Stoyana. She's refound her focus, four and five over Zainalova at one. Uh, you also had Nicole Kieran, a little revenge match. Her former school, four, six. She drops the first set, but six, two, six, two. She gets the win at two. And when Morales is up, what, six, three, six, five, serving for the set on uh, the match on six, all of a sudden Luciana Perez, last year's junior French Open finalist and superstar freshman, takes the second set over Shavatapan at four. Yes, it was three, two overall, Jay, but there was a five minute window there where you thought, okay, AM can kind of take the momentum down the home stretch of this match. They were unable to do so. Longhorns, another impressive early season victory. I mean, again, you get doubles, three, four, and five, like that that's depth. That's a Virginia, you know, we complimented Virginia for that similar performance. It's in that same vein, Jay. We have so many teams like this this year where, again, it's, I don't know what your match calculus is, but you can win anywhere. What'd you learn from this one? Well, I think we're learning that Texas does have a pretty clear match calculus. This is the same match calculus that they use to beat Georgia doubles, three, four, and five. And Rob Lou, you talked about, has been outstanding to Beat Kupris like that so handily is extremely impressive. Pashkaleva has been so solid for them. And it was senior Charlotte Shavatban who ended up closing the door eventually on this AM team. And it was absolutely dicey there for five minutes. So for her to step in and close that out, six, four in the third was impressive performance. And those three in that middle of the lineup are really tough. That was a huge win for Shavathapan, who has had some serious roller coaster rides in her career. There have been massive highs, obviously. There have been some lows, though, as well. And she got up a break on the freshman Perez, never looked back. And for her to go unbroken in a deciding set, Jay, count on your hand how many times you see that throughout the course of a season, let alone like at a national indoors. That is an extraordinarily impressive performance. Veterans guile, dare I say, uh, from Shavatapan. And look, I mean, again, like I'd still ride with Zainalova at one. Like I know she lost in straights in this one, but she lost to Mary freaking Stoyana, number one player in the country. Um, it's so fascinating that Sasnaskaya has not played particularly well, I would say, to start her Texas career. And yet, like, okay, you lost to Nicole Kieran. I'm not going to throw you in three sets. Like, not that much pain there. 
Texas is good everywhere, man. They are a tough out. I don't know what it's gonna. I don't know what the pathway is to beat them, but and I know this sounds really stupid. Only a good team is gonna beat Texas, right? Like you have to be good at things. You can't just get away with stuff because they're too deep everywhere. You're not gonna get away in four different spots. It's a heck of a win uh, for the Longhorns. On the flip side, I gotta ask the same question for A and M. That's their best loss of all these losses they've taken, right? Like there was some fight there. I thought. Um, and I mean, again, that's not what the standard should be for this group right now. But I, I, I was more impressed by their performance in this. Like again, th- I, that they managed to nearly turn this one. This is the first one they nearly turned. Well, I, I mean, the Miami match was tough. They gave that one away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but exactly, they didn't turn that match. They gave that right. one away. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So uh, okay, best loss, yes. Yeah. Uh, another loss, though. True. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound back in matches two and three to see if they can get a win here. But, yeah, I mean, there was some fight back there, and there's obviously a lot of talent on this team. So you just kind of feel like eventually they're going to hit hit the right gear. They're playing horrible at five and six. Just like you can't have two sieves in a lineup in a year where we've talked Virginia, Texas, all these teams, the ridiculous depth and the multiple pathways to four. Like if you are down, if you're spotting teams points or you are attackable, you're going to get attacked this year in particular. I know that sounds very simple. Am I, is it because it's 2.30 p.m., uh, 2.30 a.m. Eastern time, Jay, that these pseudo philosophies are coming out of my mouth? Um, it's a good, I like, Honestly, I'm less concerned about AM after this result than I am uh, from their first months of play, uh, first five weeks of play. I think it's too early. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think we have that exactly. conversation on Monday. That's what I'm saying. It's yes. Let's see two more. That's what I'm saying is I they looked good enough today that I want to see more if mm-hmm. that answers the question. But I'll tell you what we'll get to see plenty of this year. Oklahoma State versus Texas. And the first of those matchups is coming at the national indoors in the quarterfinals uh, as Oklahoma State. By the way. Does that feel a little Oklahoma, Texas 2022-esque, Jay? Like some vibes there. They played in that early quarterfinal. Oklahoma got that win there, and then all of a sudden they were off to the races, maybe for Oklahoma State, maybe just maybe. History giving us some echoes uh, from the past. But look again, the closest part about this match was the doubles point. Mm-hmm. And uh, credit to Auburn, as always, they come out frisky. Again, given the adversity this group has been through these past couple of weeks, for them to show up at all and play this competitive, impressive, it comes down to a number three double spot where, a lot, you know, again, so much experience in this flight, Jay. Carrington and Novak, a couple of fifth years versus Ansari and Ovunk, a couple of seniors as well. And, you know, again, ultimately 7-6 decision to Carrington and Novak, who, by the way, are playing in their first national indoors. Yes their fifth years but those nerves were certainly there the big thing if you're Oklahoma State again Lucia Pyre continues to rock and roll straight set win at three uh you had Christina Novak two and oh over Flack at six and I do think the best version of this Oklahoma State team has to have this version of Novak who looks like a former number one singles player playing at six and then again, Sophia Carrington, four and two uh, at the number four spot. Three straight set victories and a doubles point. Miyamoto was a game away. Again, Komar and Kajuru continued to get pushed at those top two spots. But welcome to college tennis. In a year where the talent is supreme, everyone's got a top two that can roll. The key will be the depth. And this Oklahoma State team showed that depth, Jay. That's a really good win. What'd you learn? 
Yeah, it was a really good win. I mean, I thought it was very impressive for Ansari and Arsenal to get those second sets, uh, even though it was pretty clear that the the direction this match was heading. And so they earned those second set splits. Impressive. But overall, I think Oklahoma State, once they got that doubles point, it felt like it was going to be downhill from there. And certainly that depth paying off pretty yeah. big. And they just, yeah, I mean, they can win anywhere right now. And certainly against an Auburn team who has maybe some holes there, either indoors or down low in the lineup, Oklahoma State takes advantage. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, again, like t- on the Auburn side of things, I actually, like, I think you're pretty happy, like, right? I, I don't think Auburn, they didn't get rolled, would you say, in this match? Like, I mean, again, there were some straight setters there, but like Okatoye losing that match in straights, don't you feel like, okay, that's a spot we can flip, like given how well Okatoye has played across pros and just et cetera over the last six months, like where they lost these matches, Okatoye and Bennett, which I believe when you we talked in the preview, like we thought that might be the strength of their lineup. Strength on straight, Oklahoma State was just a little better. Is that concerning or is it just an off day? No, I don't think it's concerning. I actually think both Okatoye and Bennett will be better outdoors I agree. in these matches. So it was domination though throughout. And it was like really only until the very end that you say, oh, Ansari split, Arsenal split. Okay, yeah. then the match was over. So it was it was pretty clear that the way this match was heading uh, I just think that those three and four spots for Auburn are going to be much better outdoors, and hopefully they can rebound over the next two. Fair enough. Well, again, lead Oklahoma State advancing for love sets up an all-big 12-quarter final, Oklahoma State versus Texas. It will be the first of as many as three, four times perhaps. We might see this matchup this season. Jay, what's your initial read as we look at it here in Seattle? Look, I've seen nothing that suggests this Oklahoma State train is going to slow down anytime soon. So... I lean Oklahoma State. I think it's probably like a 4-2 yeah. just because I think that Texas can compete at every single one of those positions. If we continue to see this Christina Novak, though, you could get another 6-0-6-2 scoreline there at 6. Yeah. Um, if, if this match is going to be super competitive, Texas takes doubles. Yeah. We still got a long way to go, like a lot of quarterfinal play to play tomorrow. And again, a lot of these matches are going to be close, but it's feeling kind of 2019-ish, Jay, where we had UNC, Georgia, Stanford, and it was like, no, 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 these are the three best teams and they're all still left in the semifinals. I forget who the fourth semifinalist team was that it's like, look, you're the sacrificial lamb and you're not on this level right now. But um, like, I do feel like Oklahoma State, they're playing that well. Like they really, uh, it's no longer on paper. Like it's just to have this sort of six week stretch. It's everything Chris Young could have dreamed of. And again, every win is just solidifying the fact that the NCAA tournament is going to run through Stillwater and that Oklahoma state very likely will not have to leave campus throughout the course of the NCAA tournament until they lose or until they win the damn thing. And I just think that's always a, a key point to keep in mind this early in the season. But I'll tell you what, in Oklahoma State's mind, this Texas team is still Texas, if that makes sense. Like, they're the two-time national champs. They're the ones we've been chasing. Now, this Oklahoma State team beat Texas last year. So Texas isn't going to be caught by surprise, right? Like, they know the challenge that's ahead of them, even with all the new pieces. They've scouted a Novak before. They've scouted Uvrutsky, Rapalu, et cetera, um, and vice versa. Um I'm, I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a really good quarterfinal match. Uh, obviously looking forward to the fact. Oh, actually, oh, 
crushing. I think this is the one at STC tomorrow. Um, I believe this is the 6.30 at STC um, when Washington will play USC at Nordstrom. But, of course, we will still have broadcast coverage of that quarterfinal. Last but not least, JC, we got back on time. I'm pretty satisfied. I think we're going to be under 45 here over the midnight deadline that I had given you initially. But under 45, which I'll still take. Let's start with the weirdest match now. We'll save maybe the weirdest for seventh slot here. NC State, Washington. That was weird. (laughs) It was just, (laughs) it was. It was a delight, and it needs to be pointed out from the start. Robin Stevenson puts butts in seats. I don't know when you popped back in, Jay, but it was standing room only once again. And by the way, that wasn't meant to be a dig for our listeners. Some people like to, I don't know, eat dinner, and Jay chose to do that. I don't know, and a doubles point between, like, missed just a doubles point. Sounds pretty efficient to me, folks. Um, But it was standing room only. You know, again, the strong waft of Papa John's in the air as they made sure all the people were fed before they go out on the town, do all their different thing. By the way, hypothetically, I'm not saying this actually happened, but hypothetically, to the person who walked in, sat next to the broadcast booth, spilled what must have been like a quarter of a fifth of fireball right next to the broadcast booth and just left me in a pool of cinnamon. Um, thank you, I think, to that hypothetical person. But um, Some people are saying it was you. <laughs> I'm already tennis drunk enough by that final broadcast. Alcohol would do me no favors. Again, this match was weird. Like... I thought Olsen and Jake – so it's twofold. The breakout star of the match is Alexis, Alexa, I forget what her first name is, but Jacobs, the number two singles player, the freshman from Canada uh, for Washington. Oh, my God. Like, she is very good. Very, very good. And her and Astrid Olsen getting a win over Abrams and Zeranova today, that is an impressive victory for those two. It felt like Washington might steal the doubles point after they get the break back at five. Now, again, Rejeckis and Pardo do their thing at two. But, man, it, it, things got frisky there. And credit to Broadfoot, credit to Renshelly. They pull it out in the end, 7-5, take that doubles point. That ended up being critical because, yes, NC State comes out. They take five first sets in singles. But... Then the Washington push was on. They earn a split at five. They earn a split at two. They earn a split first, though, at one, where Rejecki just... Sorry, the artist formerly known as Amelia Rejecki. Um, just like... It just the she lost the zone like she lost the thread. It went away for a couple of games, and so again, uh, Matsudo, the the sophomore, Erica Matsudo for Washington was able to force the third. Like there was a point where yes, NC State was up three love with straight set wins from. Uh, Zampardo, who we'll talk about in a second, a straight set win from zero. Oh, excuse me, they're up two love, two one, then three one after the zero Nova straight set win. But there was actually a five-minute window where it's like, wait a second. Rejecki just got sent to a third. It looks like Jacobs is about to take a six-love second set on two or down a set and a break on four. And all of a sudden, SMF, Sarah Maud Forden, is coming back at this number five spot. Like, it was just weird. It didn't ultimately matter as Rejecki able to pull away in the third and 4-1 scoreline. That kind of feels like your stereotypical 4-1 trickier than expected but still comfortable round of 16 win i don't know this match was just weird jay what'd you take away from it well i think it really hinged on doubles because even though singles did start to get much closer than you expected i think it never 
it, the belief never felt like it had permeated through the stands, if you will. Like sometimes when you're like on the verge of an upset, when they take the doubles point, there's a buzz and yeah, sure. that buzz I just didn't really feel was there. It always felt like if needed, NC State would step into a higher gear mm-hmm. and they were able to get off the court, you know, and you saw um, Ryetsky uh, <laughs> get All right. through. I'm confronting her tomorrow and we're doing an interview and in per- I'm getting it on video. I'm going to ask her, OK, but I've heard you say Rejecki <laughs> and then we'll just hear where we go from there. I got the off the record explanation, okay. so you can get the on the record okay. tomorrow. Perfect. But um, yeah, from this point moving forward, Amelia Ryetsky. Okay. And can we uh, just call her yeah, Millie. You, yeah, you can just <laughs> go with Millie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I said Amelia tonight, so I don't know if I'm yet. <laughs> I'm yet on the the Millie Fair. Uh, level, but yes, yeah. yeah, so it was it was weird because I think the vibes were a little strange throughout. But yeah, there was a great crowd, and uh, that was great to see Friday night late night session. People hanging around waiting for this match to get started. But yeah, it was kind of tough to know what to make of NC State because there were some odd, odd matches. You know, Abrams to go down and straight. Probably the worst sets. she's played in six months. Yeah. Or like the worst result. Yeah, definitely. So they're just glad they got off the court after what was a very long day for them. Yeah, it turns out, like, again, Big picture, that's kind of what a uh, national indoors match looks like. Like it gets a little choppy like that, especially when you are playing the home team. Like that's just how it's going to roll. And what you learn is Washington is just never going to be an easy out here at Nordstrom. They have too many fans there. They're too confident. They just – that team's been around the block. They've seen some things. And so they ain't intimidated by no one. I actually think tomorrow's USC match is going to be – it's going to be like the Vanderbilt match from last year, Jay, where you're like this is something funky for those of us that stay. But – yeah, look, like, I'll continue to say it. The artist formerly known as Amelia Rejecki, the power she's able to create and generate, it's just, ugh. You're just, there are times when, when she's extending into the ball and it's not jamming her, you're just like, that's what pro tennis looks like. You're like, you, is everyone here in the building seeing that? That's different than what the rest of you are doing. Um, I love Senior Ren Shelley. This is like one of my in-person takes, but she's always had a little edge in the best sense possible. Like she's never afraid to scrap. I see her now. Like she's the senior now. All due respect to Abrams and Dittman, who are seniors as well, but they're also transfer seniors. Like Ren Shelley, Rejecki have done the 404 with Simon. Um, and like it's just interesting to see them in leadership roles now. It's interesting to see like the team gravitate towards them in that sense. And I actually think it's a really good combo of Rejecki and Rinchelli. Because I don't think – Rejecki is is outward in the her, – her commands and the roars are there. But, you know, again, I think she's really like a really sweet girl deep down. Like, sorry. I, she, if you hear this, I'm going to say this all to your face tomorrow. So don't worry. It's not going to be weird between us. Um Richelli's got that dog in her in the best way. Like, I love it. I love her edge. It's the perfect blend is what I'm trying to say. I, there were a lot of off-court moments where I completely agree. I mean, I feel like Renchelli is running a tight ship I, on that team right now. I fucking now. love it. I'm so – I'm just like, what are you – can you send me – can I get in the group chat? Like, I just want to know what's the orders. What are the marching orders? Uh, Tell me when I need to be there. I think those freshmen are going through the ringer right now, and they are under the 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 thumb of Rangeli. I mean, she is getting practice started on time. You know, like she's got that thing down on lock. But yeah, 
that second set wasn't unlocked, dropping in <laughs> six love. But um, yeah, it's a really interesting mix because this NC State team, for what feels like the first time in many years, has a whole crop of new faces. You know, we had seen for so long Alana Smith being there for six years, even playing. You know, Anna Rogers was there for so long. And now you're starting to see a lot of new faces pop up, and it's an interesting mix. It, it, again, like I am very much looking forward to seeing this team as they continue to mature. I'm glad you noticed those things as well, though, Jay. That makes me really happy. This is the joy of being here in person is getting to experience that. And, you know, again, we didn't even have this talk yet. First of all, Zero Nova, three love down. She wins like 12 of the last whatever games. It was just didn't make it on Force Air the rest of the way. But I am as fascinated by Maddie Zimpardo as I will be by anyone this season because she's tall. She's powerful. The ground strokes are good, and yet you're like, yo, you're 2% the player you're going to be in 40 years from now. Like, it's just so, like, I said this to you already. She doesn't even swing hard. Like, you're like, you know how tall, like, how much torque you can generate. Like, all these, like, once you learn what sort of athlete you really are, and obviously everyone grows into whatever at their own pace, but, like, oh, my, I, I think she found the right coaching staff. Like, it's just, it's the perfect fit. I'm so fascinated by her moving forward. Yeah, she fits the NC State archetype to a T, you know, like strong, tall, aggressive weapons. Exactly. And we'll we'll refine it from here. Exactly. So she's going to be a very different player in a few years. There's a lot of uh, working material for that coaching staff to to work with no no doubt about that well again nc state threw a weird 4-1 but a 4-1 nevertheless they're gonna face an opponent they know i think pretty well uh, a team that's not too far from them location wise and oh by the way they played in the ncaa final last year of course i'm referring to a team who what was it i saw in colette lewis's it's their 17th i believe consecutive national indoor victory four straight titles plus now an extra one here uh Look, I've seen a lot of Tar Heel wins uh, over these last five years. As I like to say, I like to think I invented the North Carolina women's tennis beat. It's twofold. The biggest takeaway and the biggest concern is obviously what happened to superstar sophomore number one doubles, half of the number one doubles team in the country, and the number two singles player in the country, Reese Brantmeyer, who 3-1, double set, hit a forehand, took an awkward step, had to take an extended injury timeout and needed help walking the rest of the set as her knee just, you know, we saw her in a full cast uh, as she left. Now, again, she could put weight on it, but we saw her in a cast all bandaged up and uh, post doubles because, look, obviously something got tweaked there. And what was so fascinating is she stayed in the doubles and her and Scotty ultimately actually win the set on number one along with Crawley and Tim Gillig at two. And they kind of needed to because things were getting dicey at three for Forbes and Tran who, let's be clear though, were up a break the entire time. They then put Maserati Scotty back in the garage along with Brantmeyer for the singles session. They go with Rabmin five, Tran six. Like again, it was competitive. And I actually think there are some serious positives you can take away if you're USC head coach Allison Swain because there were some time like Charney's on the level. She belongs in the top two. Um, you know, again, Fiona beats Snow, but I don't think Snow is at her healthiest. I just, again, there's a lot of things to take away that to enjoy for this USC team. But my biggest takeaway on the Tar Heel side, Jay, is obviously the Brantmeyer injury. But B, I, I still don't think they flexed the muscles today and they were just fine. 
Well, actually, they did flex the muscles because they pull their two and four players. And okay, they yeah, go that's actually exactly deep. true. You're right. I guess what I meant is they weren't full flex the whole time. Like they didn't need to play their best. I just thought this was the the stand. This was the standard performance for the Tower Heels. So I was like, yeah, we are just better than you. Period. Yeah, I mean, I think the Brant Myringer is very concerning. I am not sure if we will see her for the remainder of indoors. I hope that she gets healthy very soon. You hate to see that happen to anyone, let alone the number two player in the country. So let's hope that she gets healthy very quickly. But yeah, it was kind of a weird match. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought USC was competitive in some of them. You know, Charney was coming back there at the number two spot. Aaron Cayetano gets a good win over Abby Forbes at four. And she she's starting really to look today. back like the Aaron Cayetano who reached number one in the country. So there were definitely takeaways on the USC side and on the UNC side. Look, it's good for a Radman to get these sort of matches. I thought for her to come out and play probably higher than where they expected to have her play to split sets in the manner that she did. I mean, she was close to losing that match. She comes out, she splits. So good takeaways for uh, for North Carolina. Anika Garlagada is Ugh. crushing the yeah. ball. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen her hit this hard in a long and maybe ever, but she's crushing it. So she jumps all the way up to three. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a really good performance from she, North Carolina. She's seven in the country right now. And look, it's a message from me, her parents, the, the UNC coaching staff. Annika's going to be a fantastic doctor one day. I want to be abundantly clear. And I know she's getting her master's. I know she's taking the MCAT. I know that's the future. Go play six months of pro tennis. What do you have to lose? Like your parents would love to be able to have you have that experience. And they're, you know, again, a fortunate enough family to where it would be fine. Come on, Annika. Do it for me. Like, come on. Uh, just see those weapons. For Bloomfield tested. Hills. Right? Yeah, you got to rep. By the way, great day for people from the state of Michigan. Zimpardo, Miller, Yarlagata. Like, we play indoor tennis in the Mitten, Jay. And uh, you saw that on display throughout the course of today. Look, I really like this UNC team. Like, they've got real depth. Like, they are another one of those teams where you look for USC. I feel like they can find four points in so many different ways. And I liked Faircloud today. Like, I know she loses that match in straights to Tran, but she was up a break 4-2 in the second before Tran got hot and did Riley Tran things. By the way, still the Matrix out there. Cuts up all the angles. It's just so delightful. Um, but I love, like, she's down break points. Faircloud serves and volleys or yeah, like she's, yeah gets aggressive like she's got the lefty's got some pieces yeah she similar to the conversation we're having with maddie zampardo of yeah. nc state like she's got a lot of pieces she's gonna be a very good college tennis player very soon yeah it's it's fascinating it really is and so you know again unc though 4-1 you mentioned it here's the th- okay are they still the favorites without brant meyer that's my question to you I went through that calculus many a times during, we have during to have, that uh, UNC. I think we all did. And I would say yes. Yeah. Still, I know it certainly – I think the big thing is doubles. It yeah. really throws a wrench into doubles. I don't know what they'll do. And so it opens up the door, absolutely. But yeah. I think Oklahoma State, Stanford are looking at that going, well, yeah, that's – a door opening for sure, but yes, they're still the favorites. Yeah, it's just, look, we saw Crawley at one today, straight set wins. Like, she's going to be fine up a spot. I think Carson will be fine up a spot. And long term for the Tar Heels, it's great for Carson to get reps in the top two always because, spoiler alert, you lose 
five, maybe six, maybe seven next year from your lineup, just depending on how all things shake out. Um, yeah, they have to be the favorites still because they were eight deep and now they're seven deep. And yeah, that the one they lost was number two in the country. But you know, Yarlagata is seven in the country. You know, Tangillig's like nine in the country. You know, Crawley might be 22 in the country, but she was one in the country all of last season. Like, they got and they sat Scotty today. A hundred percent. Like, and if they wanted to sit Forbes one day or they want to sit Rabman one day, like they can still afford to do those things. I think they have to be the favorite. But look, again, two teams who know each other. A lot of continuity in these matchups. Sons, Ohio State, Stanford. That's really the one new one. All these other squads we've seen go face-to-face before. That said, look, NC State obviously played UNC extraordinarily close in every match last year. Sans the one without Diana Schneider, but guess what, Jay? In this match, they are Sans Diana Schneider once again. Now, no Reese Brantmeyer for UNC does mean, like, again, if we get another Dittman-Yarlagata matchup, which we won't because Yarlagata is a little higher. I'm trying to think if we're going to have, like, a Tran- no, it's going to be Trans and Pardo. God, that's a fascinating contrast. Oh, love that. I mean, we get well, the Rejecki Crawley rematch, perhaps. Well, no, we're definitely but, getting that. But I'm saying, I think one of, I think Tran plays six tomorrow, and I think one of Forbes or Scotty sits, or, or Rabin. I think one of Forbes, Scotty, or Rabin sits, and I think we see Riley play again because she got the win today in straight sets. Like, I don't know why you'd sit Riley. Yeah, you probably. You pull Abby Forbes, because, yeah, she lost in traits. Yeah. But then Scotty tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, if that's the lineup, if it's Scotty instead of Forbes, we'll say Tangillig 2, Scotty 3, uh, 4 becomes Yarlagata, because I think that's where they are in the official lineup, 5, Rabman, 6, Tran. If that's the lineup we see for UNC, doubles being whatever it is, what's your lean on this match? I still lean North Carolina. I think there are too many holes right now in this NC State lineup. Now, for NC State to take advantage of this, they do need to get doubles, and they honestly, I think, need another performance from Ryetsky to <laughs> at, at number one. Can we just call her Prince? Uh, Prince, the, the artist formerly known. Oh, there you yeah. go, FKA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Eileen, North Carolina. I think two through six, they should be able to find four. <laughs> they can find, but to be clear, they can find doubles in one. I'm yeah. just saying, NC State, like they should look to doubles and one to feel like that's at yeah. least two. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just excited. I, whenever these two teams go head to head, special things happen because, again, there's just some some serious shared history now uh, between these two programs. That said, guys, uh, folks, listeners, whomever you are, that's your look at the round of 16 and quarterfinal preview. What a fantastic 24 hours in the college tennis world it was. And the best part, Jay, we're eight hours, 45 minutes away from doing it all again. Any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? No, I hope you get some rest. Yeah, I hope you do as well. So with that said, by the way, shout out to Perry Shinen. Shout out to Daniel Westoff, killing it on the Seattle Tennis Club broadcast. And obviously, I'm so excited to be able to work with Perry on our quarterfinal broadcast tomorrow. We hope you'll all join us. It starts 9 a.m. Pacific on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And things kick off with Michigan versus Virginia. And then the fun just continues from there. That said, signing off for now for the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.